0: Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to The Jerick Show after a week or two hiatus. Lost a bit of track of time. But anyway, this week we speak about some Koreans. We take the Pepsi challenge, uh, why a UK army portal has been down and a council that Eric can't pronounce has some security issues. All that and more coming on this week's show.
1: Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics poorly presented. Eric Krohn, well, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's good to be back on the show. Now, I, just for our, our viewers and listeners... Although we didn't do a show for a couple of weeks because frankly we've been incredibly busy and running around all over the place, Javad and I did have an opportunity to spend time in person, which was kind of nice. and look, we've made it out of here with no bruises, no injuries, uh you know, it was a good time i he got to uh he actually got to experience my travel curse once again. <clears throat> did I Yes, I did
0: <laughs> yes, once again. <laughs> by a local bus driver in their local town. It was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. For those of you who don't know, if you're ever traveling with Eric, don't. It's just not worth it. <laughs> Anyone who has ever traveled with Eric has got delays, cancellations. It, it's just the absolute worst. Um, so never travel with Eric.
1: So we will no put true a link story. In the show. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, true story. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show to the video of our Miami trip. But yeah, we we had a a charter bus driver get incredibly lost to the point that she's holding up the phone in the front of the bus, going, "Look, I'm putting in the address here, and it's not taking me there." We ended up on a back lot of Disney where security had to like escort us out, and it was a it was a very interesting time. Um, but uh, you know, the other thing we did is KB4Con, yes. which was a lot of fun. It was amazing. It was the first
0: proper conference I was back at for two years. Uh, I've been to some events and what have you, but this was the first proper, proper conference. And for a lot of attendees, it was the first event they were at. Uh, we had way more people than I think we anticipated because normally like, you know, say like say a like thousand people sub, uh, register, maybe like six or 700 will turn up to the thing. But no, yeah. this, was, this was like, <laughs> At capacity I think there was about 1500 people that that showed up and everyone was just so wonderful and and great i I had the honor of being the MC for the event uh, unlike Chris Rock I avoided getting slapped but um I tried <laughs> yes <laughs> but you know what I, I I opened up and and then it was a massive auditorium there's about 1500 people there and I couldn't resist taking a, a little video selfie there. So um, uh, just to just to give you a flavor of what the event was like. This is great to be back in person. Yes, absolutely wonderful. You could feel the energy in the room. It was uh, it was great. So um, anyway, Eric, how have you been doing?
1: I've been doing pretty good. Um, I actually just got back from Chicago yesterday. Um, It was kind of cold out there. Uh, Went from 87 degrees to 30 something and raining there. Uh, But uh, it's good to be back on the road. And this was my first flight not having to wear masks, which was a whole different experience. That's a shame. That's a shame. (laughs) People were saved from your face and now they have to see you. I saw right where you were going with that, but no, seriously, it was, it was a whole different experience. Now you just did, you know, transatlantic flights. Did you have to wear a mask on your way back? Uh, no, not on the way,
0: on the way back. It was, it was optional. So that, that made it easier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's starting to open up. Um, it really is. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to take us, but I guess we'll see. Won't we? We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, uh let's jump straight over to our
0: first story of the day. And um North Korean hackers targeting journalists with novel malware.
1: Mm, yeah, that's
0: very, very unusual to hear of North Korea um state sponsored hackers. <laughs> well, targeting... Yeah, what
1: <laughs> yeah, so this is this is one of those things where you know I've been seeing more and more about journalists, and I actually did a Um, I did a panel not too long ago um, with about the Pegasus malware on phones and how it was targeting journalists and how Amnesty Amnesty International actually has a program to help remove malware from journalists' phones. And the, the main reason that a lot of these folks are being targeted is because they're trying to find out who their sources are. And, you know, Places like North Korea, um, they control the media so tightly when people are speaking out against it and telling stories from within the regime. um, They take that as a a, almost a state um, security breach. And so uh, they've really been seriously targeting a lot of journalists, trying to get them to to put this malware on their phone so they can get into WhatsApp. You know, because while it's cool that it's end-to-end encrypted signal and WhatsApp, when you're on the device... You're at you the end. you right through that, right? You're at the yeah. end. And so um, it's interesting to see this kind of stuff still continuing to go on and, and almost accelerating in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Because
0: that, that's the thing. As, as like, there's more end-to-end or it's harder to man in the middle any of these connections, you're, you're going to go off to the endpoint and the device... And mobiles, unfortunately, they they are um, a lot easier to to get people to install something or click on the malicious link because you don't have the same uh, you know abilities to preview links or what have you. There's no sandboxing to generally, and um, also people will check their phones at all hours of the day and night. They'll just pick up their phone, bleary eyed, and say that looks interesting and click, <laughs> and uh, yeah. next thing you know, they 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 get done. I mean, one of our colleagues, Anna Anna Collard. She uh, recently, she fell for a simulated phishing attack because the the simulated fish impersonated Uber and she had just got into her Uber five minutes earlier. So in her mind, it was Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're traveling, you get into Uber, there's an email from Uber, let me check it. And the the irony is like, she then had to do training that she designed
1: herself. (laughs) That she built. I know, that's beautiful, right? You know, I had it happen to me once where... um, I was getting ready for a Zoom call with some some customers about an upcoming talk. And uh, lo and behold, I get a simulated one that pops in saying, people are waiting on your Zoom call. And I'm like, ah, like I wasn't ready for that. So I'm like running around like, and so I just picked the click to launch there because it was the fastest way to do it. Um, and, and boom, there I was. Yeah, poor Anna. Yes.
0: Um, Not, but, and yeah. dumb Eric, man, honestly. I don't believe in shaming users, but...
1: That was a pretty dumb move, Eric. I mean, you, okay. you call yourself a security professional. <laughs> you know, it's right place, right time with the right message. And honestly, it just works. It really does. Now, are you telling me hearing you've hearing never I'm fallen? Is, all I'm hearing is like, me, me, me,
0: me, 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 me. So me, you've me,
1: never fallen I'm for one of our fishes? Never,
0: never. So th- there's, there's, there's a reason why. A, because I'm awesome. But secondly, <laughs> because nearly every this. every email I get, I report it as a phishing email. That way the security team acts as almost like my PA. They can go through everything. They can say, "Oh, that's not a phishing email. That's not a phishing." And if they do catch one then it's like you the man. So
1: So you just have a rule that forwards all of your email to the, "Hey, is this uh is yeah. this phishing email address?" Oh, that's that's brilliant. Yes, I know. Or it something. Is I am <laughs> brilliant. Thank you. We got that on recording. Hi, Heather, Heather Lowry said LOL. I know Heather Okay. Oh, so. Anyways, uh, Can yeah. Can you take the Pepsi
0: challenge when it comes to claims of data breach and data theft? So this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's a there's a gang out there that is going out saying, "Ha ha, we attacked you. We got your data." It's a bit like those kids, like, "We got your nose." Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, uh, the thing is, this group may not. Um, and that's the that's the thing about this group. So um, they've, they said that they hacked Epic Games a while back, and they put some data out there. And, and from what I understand, it was found that that data was actually from a different hack that had happened previously. So it almost looks like this group is is what's called a scavenger group or scammers. Basically, they're coming through and they're saying, hey, we're hacking all this cool stuff, trying to make a name for themselves or whatever. And now they're trying to sell this 161 gigs out on the uh, out on the web, right? And it, it just seems a little odd. And a lot of people are very skeptical about this. Coke has admitted that they're looking into it, but they still haven't said... Um, that they've actually found that this has happened. So this is, yeah, Stormis Group here. Um, they seem to be, I don't know, they're, they're trying to make a name for themselves like Lapsus or something, but uh, frankly, they're not doing a good job. Although yeah. this is the second news story or story I've seen about Coke in the broad broader media or social media recently. Um, I believe there's one about Elon Musk buying Coke and putting cocaine back in it right? So they're very popular, right? Any news is good news. Is that how this works?
0: Yeah. Any news is good news. Absolutely. These <laughs> ransomware gangs, they, they are unbelievable. I think these ransomware, if they have nothing, they have the audacity to go out and just say like, we have your data when they clearly don't. So, so um... yeah,
1: another interesting piece of this, you actually have it up just a little bit right there. If you scroll up just a touch um, to that that graphic right there, um, they had a poll they put out on Telegram And they said, okay, so we're pro-Russia, anti-West. Who do you want us to target next? And they gave this list and people chose Coca-Cola, right? So it may look like then they turned around and went after Coke. Now, I have an alternate theory. I think they had a bunch of crap data from these places already that they had picked up from other groups that had dumped it, you know, and they just made the list. So now it makes it look like they're really taking a target and going, see, nobody's safe. So, I don't know.
0: Very interesting approach. It's a, it's a really conniving sort of like, like, like we discussed a a while ago, it's, it's, it's a good marketing tactic and build up notoriety that, you know, how like in the old west, you, you had like people like inflating their, their kills and robberies and everything they did just so that they would be more afraid of them. Of course, it landed them with a higher bounty on their head, wanted dead or alive, but, you know, it's a lot easier. Well, the other
1: thing is, yeah, this is the stormiest ransomware group, but I have yet to see any ransomware actually attributed to them. Now, maybe I've missed something, but if you're going to throw yourself around as a ransomware group and all you're really doing is data exfiltration and extortion, I don't know. It just, some things just aren't matching, meeting up on this. So. Well, yeah, this one's your peeps. My peeps. A data breach disrupts UK Army recruitment.
0: Uh and the portal, the army's uh, uh portal has been offline for more than a month. That's a long time, actually, when you think about it, especially seeing as there's a there's a war happening on our doorstep, like you know, just well, not on our doorstep, but in, in Europe, which is pretty much our doorstep. Um, and uh they it's, um, you know, so th- th- there was an investigation, but, you know, the data reportedly exposed the incidents, full names, date of birth, addresses, qualifications, and previous employment details. So I would assume it'd be like John Doe's born in the last 20 years, and uh, address living with mum and dad, and previous employment, like I was doing flunked my GCSEs or something. But no, that's that's unfair to people who join the army. But uh, it, it's a lot of sensitive data. And, you know, it's it's one of those things, as we've seen, like with the cyber element, joining more with the, the the kinetic element of warfare. You could imagine how like it would be if like soldiers on the front line and all of a sudden they said, we know where you you live or your families live and, and what have you. Uh, it, it can be it can really be quite enough to take someone's head out of the game.
1: Yeah, what really gets me on this is how long the portal's been down, right? So they they got a report of this data being offered up for sale or whatever. They figured out it came from their portal. They shut it down. But now, yeah, it's just sat idle now for a, over a month. That's a long time for a single web service to be offline. I mean, maybe you have enough soldiers. Maybe they're just like, ah, we will take a break for a little bit, Right. I don't know, but this is a long time to have that down. So I'm, I'm curious if any of our listeners happen to know what may be going on here. Um, I would be interested in knowing a little bit more about this, because generally speaking, you can do the, the forensics investigation, especially in a, in a military or you know, defense type area, whatever country you're in, you'd be able to do the forensics invita- uh, look here very quickly and have the thing back up and running. This is like an operational nightmare.
0: It is, it is indeed. So, well, you know what they say about the army, like uh, who, who wins the, the bid? It's the cheapest bidder. So. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Who's no longer around anymore to fix yeah, it, exactly. it? Yeah, exactly.
0: Who yeah. else will stick to China anyway? <laughs> some developers <laughs> yeah. in India, I don't know. It was, it was like, written in
1: not- some, uh, some code that was used by two people back in the 1990s and <laughs> uh, now they don't know how to fix it, yeah. Anyway, so there's this council.
0: Uh, reveals more about why it was not insured against cyber attacks. Um, so, Gloucester City Council—they uh, were—they decided not to insure against cyber attacks after receiving advice from insurance brokers and auditors. They—they uh, they were breached by hackers off operating out of the former Soviet Union last year. And since then, many of his online services have been severely impacted, and what have you. Um, so you know they they asked like why why were they not insured? And um, they
1: I don't know it's a risk decision <laughs> I suppose. Right, right, it's, right. Uh, and I, I, I kind of get it. I mean, it is sort of expensive, but these days, really. Um oh nice ads you have up there, Javad. Wonderful. I have no you can, idea. Yeah, so- <laughs> <laughs> definitely like so- <laughs> a
0: weekend shopping activity being displayed.
1: <laughs> Someone's cookies just showed everything. No. Um, but it you know, it's one of these things that, that I almost put it with like endpoint protection, antivirus. We know it rarely works these days. Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you don't. There's people that argue that endpoint protection is really no longer needed. And, and I don't agree with that. And I don't agree with that if for no other reason um, that regulatory reasons say that if you're not doing your due diligence, you're going find to find yourself in trouble. So if somebody comes in and says, "Oh, why'd you get hacked?" You know, and and they're looking through things, they go, "You don't have endpoint protection anywhere." That's a hard one to explain. Well, I really don't believe it works. You know, when the rest of everybody on the planet does it, it's kind of the same way here. When I look at the cyber insurance angle, now you may not have to have a two hundred million dollar policy, or you know what I mean, whatever. But the fact that they As a city, and we know city, states, municipalities around the globe get hit by this stuff all the time, but they made the conscious decision, even after being attacked in 2014 and having a breach back then, to say, no, don't think we'll do that this time around. And now it just looks bad.
0: It does. And, you know, it's I get it. Some, I mean, insurance is getting more expensive. The payouts are getting less frequent. There's all that kind of, uh, you know, good stuff going on. So it's not always an economically viable decision, but then you need to put in some other controls, some other safeguards in place to prevent stuff happening. So I don't like like you, I don't blame them for not having insurance, but it'll be interesting to understand what they had in in place of that or what controls they put in place. Where did they put in more, better, more, better, fantastic, bigger? Uh, SOC controls? (laughs) Did they have more monitoring? Were there more defensive controls? Did they try to invest in a cultural security? You know, all these things, uh, you know, just come to mind and, you know, maybe we'll see the auditor's report in a few months' time and all will be laid bare. but we've probably forgotten about it and moved on to the next council that's got hacked away then.
1: Well, there's, there's more to it, though, with cyber insurance um, than just transferring the risk, right? That's what insurance is. It's a transfer of risk to a policy that can pay for this. But anymore, there's a lot of benefits that come with having cyber insurance that aren't necessarily just around the payroll. A lot of times they will have digital forensics teams on retainer. Um, they have agreements with them that if you aren't insured, you may not be able to get into some of the really good ones because they're already held by a lot of these insurers right who are just kind of farming them out all over the place there's a lot to be said for that and the guidance that they may be able to give you when something like this goes down because they've seen it before that you don't get when you're just out there doing it on your own so i want people to think about that it's more than just hey they'll pay the ransom if i get hit that's not what we're talking about here there's a lot that can come with that through the other services that are a part of that. It's like kind of like when you have car insurance that has your, uh, your uh, breakdown assistance or flat tire assistance, you know, it's just that extra little service. That's nice when you're on the side of the road. It is. It is. And I was thinking like with
0: everyone, well, a lot of people working remotely working from home we're so dependent on the internet now being a stable connection. Do you think there should be like, emergency recovery internet so if like your internet goes down they drop you in a mi-fi device that you can carry on your zoom calls or something like that i mean like what would you do if your internet cut out well his internet does seems like it's cut out there you go that's what happens when you don't have insurance in place thank you very much for joining us we'll be back next week hopefully uh until then stay secure my friends